Foxley is all about helping people to feel confident in dealing with difficult customers, build trust, and strong relationships. In this podcast, we talk to talented people to share insights and tips on how they do it. Welcome to Thinking Outside the Fox. Today on Thinking Outside the Fox, I'm pleased to welcome Richard from Play It Green. With a background in psychology and philosophy, Richard spent 20 years creating behavior change through training and education in the retail environment. He is one of the two co-founders of Play It Green, an award-winning B Corp certified sustainability business built on a transparent, conscious capitalist model. Play It Green was born out of a desire to create a solution to climate change and to do it in a transparent and conscious way. Play It Green helps its customers with behavior change, education, and positive environmental and social impact. Best of all, 10% of all turnover generated by Play It Green is re-given to good causes, as chosen by its customers. Richard, welcome to Thinking Outside the Fox. It's great to have you on the podcast today. Thanks, Chris. It's good to be here. So let's start off with the obvious things. Tell us about you, your journey, and, and a bit about Play It Green. Okay. Um, uh, so, so my journey uh, of business really started at school when uh, I, I was told I was a di- disruptive influence for asking why too much. I always questioned why we did things a certain way and why there were better ways to do things. Um, that led me to study psychology and philosophy at university. Try and understand yourself, maybe. Go back and get it. Myself, the world, why people do what they do, um, what makes people tick. But also, um, I'm Jewish, and my grandparents, uh, my grandfather in particular, was from Poland. Um, He lost his entire family in the Holocaust and had a bag by his front door his whole life till he died in his 80s, just in case, he said to me. And I just wanted to understand how things like that can happen Um, I became an expert in behavioral psychology, evolutionary psychology, uh, the reward system, behavior change. Um, The philosophy was what actually changed me the most, though. I started studying world religions. I studied Greek philosophy, existentialism, and I started to see patterns. Um, Now, pattern recognition is a thing. I've been recently diagnosed with uh, ASD um, and... Pattern recognition is something that happens. And I saw a pattern with capitalism and politics that was almost capitalism reflected the survival of the fittest. It was an amoral system um, where the strongest and the the one with the least morals sometimes wins. And I just felt that was wrong and that capitalism needed checks and balances. So I wrote my thesis on the route to evil and said that capitalism with no checks and balances um, would lead to one person owning the world because that's how survival of the fittest works. You get an apex predator that that runs everything else. Mm -hmm. Um, It's actually becoming true now, 20 odd years later. um, And I got a first for my thesis, but I was told, it's a really good thesis, but it's a bit of a fairy tale. Go get a job. Uh, and I did. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I was a bit downhearted. And I got a job in retail training and developing people in the optics industry. Yeah. And I got on well with teams, developing teams, seeing – I became a, a basically a development manager, um, mm-hmm. taking poorly performing teams, teaching them how to respect themselves – 
and creating a team spirit. And when you do that, culture slowly changes and people all work in a uniform direction. Um, I did that for 20 years. I got promoted every six to 12 months, but always felt uncomfortable with the differential in my wage to the wage that people I was training. There's always something missing. Um, I wasn't self-employed and thought I was successful doing that. But again, always something missing. And don't get me wrong, I had a a nice life. I had an amazing wife who supported me, amazing kids, healthy and and successful. But there was always something missing. Mm -hmm. And then seven years ago, I got approached by a not-for-profit that were planting trees in Tanzania and educating in agroforestry and literally taking communities that were aid-reliant and within about seven or eight years, creating an economy for them. Um, so they can become self-sufficient. Right. Uh, I was blown away by the idea, by the impact, and suddenly thought, oh, my God, I've, I've found my passion. Um, now, throughout my life, I've tried to find passions. And again, part of being autistic is you become obsessed by things. I was a prima ballerina as a kid. Uh, right. I, f- I fell into that. My <laughs> my sister did ballet, and one of the male leads broke his arm just a couple of months before a big show. And they asked my parents, would I be interested? And I took to it like a duck full to water, um, became a prima ballerina as a kid, uh, was getting paid every night to, to dance. Amazing. Um, I then took judo up and did something similar, training under Neil Adams. Um, it was always looking for purpose, I think. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so I spent three years with this not-for-profit. We ended up planting over a million trees in Tanzania, um, creating such a positive impact um things came to a, an end um and i decided that i wanted to make the a business in my image in the image of the conscious capitalist that i was mm-hmm. um and that was where play at green came in what happened was i took the learnings from meeting amazing people like kate brant at google that's the silver at lightspeed um and, and there was a message that they all passed. Trees weren't the answer. They were part of it. But mm-hmm. actually, the answer to the climate crisis that we find ourselves in is behavior change. It's people doing things differently, whether on an individual level, whether on a business level. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I spent 20 years in retail training, developing and making, helping people do things differently and better. Yeah. Um, and that was why um, I set Play It Green up originally the idea was to go into sports and create a climate positive match day experience and use the influence of sports elite sports to create change within their consumer market Um, for example if we were doing the manchester city liverpool game that gets 300 million views worldwide and could create you know incredible change yeah um chris my business partner joined because of that he was running world rugby at the time and uh he he joined to change the world through sports. Uh, unfortunately, COVID came <laughs> yeah. and stadium shut. So Play It Green pivoted. And this is a, a learning experience for every business person. Don't be scared to pivot because sometimes you have ideas, preconceived ideas of what will work and it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And the market will tell you, your consumers will tell you, or or things like COVID and business changing, the business scape changing will tell you. Um, pivoting sometimes is necessary and it's yeah. just taking that learning experience. I learned something um, during my mixed martial arts journey, a, a phrase that has stuck with me f- for my whole life, which is win or learn. 
Yes. Um, and we took that into, um, Chris and I coach kids soccer together and we, we took that into our team and they love it now. When they lose, they come off the pitch and it's like, what have we done wrong? What can we improve? What training do we need this week so that we can put it right? And that's a, a learning experience. So it's great. Um, so Play Green pivoted. We pivoted into um, business. Uh, I'd seen a huge gap in the business market for a company that could holistically help businesses create both culture change and embrace both sustainability and social value. Um, And that's what we did. We, we went back to my psychology roots and how you create change and it has to involve dopamine production. It has to make people feel good. Um, It has to be something that appears to be simple. That's you're shown the way rather than told what to do. It has to be something you can do on your own, but mm-hmm. also do as part of a community because the community, we are community um, based as a species. Mm-hmm. And whether you're looking at an individual and their social community or a business and their community, it's all the same. Um, and that's what Play it Green does. We educate the teams within a business. We um, repair the planet and rebalance the team's footprints um, and we do that in a unique way as well. Um, and we give 10% of our turnover to good causes. And our members choose the good cause that their turnover goes to. Um, so, so and, and that sounds fabulous, Richard. And, and, and it's, an, it's an amazing story and a, the kind of personal journey through, uh, through your life. I mean, there's so much I would just love to delve into right now from sure. mixed martial arts, judo under Neil Adams, who was a hero of mine when I was growing up in the Northwest. Um, all that stuff just sounds so exciting and fabulous, but there's a couple of words I want to go back because I know mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting to people. Conscious capitalist. Yes. Tell us more about what conscious capitalism is to you and how, how Play It Green connects to that. Okay. So capitalism in itself is just a business model that the business becomes beholden to the shareholders. So everything that a business does is purely focused on making profit. There's no ethical decisions. There's no moral decisions. It is literally about making profit. And this is why um, the world is in the state it's in. Yeah. Um, long and short of it is people put money before well-being of, of the world. Um, and really, we should be looking at the world as if we're shareholders of the planet. Um Conscious capitalism, on the other hand, puts profit on an equal footing with the impact of both the communities where your business is, um, the planet as a whole, the people within your business. Um, And I I go back to that word holistic. It's a holistic approach to doing business in a better way, um, where the business embraces social values um, and does things that make everyone feel better rather Mm -hmm. than doing things that make people feel uncomfortable sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I think deep down, we all know as people what's right and wrong. I think that we've gone through two generations of capitalism where particularly since the Thatcher and Reagan era uh, and post that where money was put and, and, consumerism was put ahead of nature um good employment practices Mm -hmm. uh, 
and, and, and conscious capitalism is there to write it. It's also doing business in a transparent way. Um, and that's one of the things Play at Green has done. And it's enabled us to engage with global corporates, mm-hmm. um, even though we're less than three years old, which doesn't normally happen. Um, we publish everything. We publish our accounts, our board reports, every receipt. Um, I always believe if you've nothing to hide, why hide anything? Yeah. Um, and it's a nicer way to do business. And and so Play Green is about um, supporting sustainability, right? Planet mm-hmm. sustainability. Can you do conscious capitalism if you're not doing a environmental type work? So if your business, I don't know, sells sweets, for example, could you still mm-hmm. be a conscious capitalist company? Um. To me, the, it's the, the whole social value piece around business. Social value embraces, cap, embraces sustainability. It embraces um, social impact. It embraces good employment practice. It's all those things. All of those together are conscious capitalist practices. Mm-hmm. Um, every business has an impact on the planet. Every time you turn a light switch on, every time you turn a machine on, every time you manufacture something, it has an impact on the planet mm-hmm. and that impact has a long lasting effect. And so every business to be conscious, I believe does have to embrace sustainability. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I, we've done things in a certain way for so long post industrial revolution that it will be a generational change. And, and we don't purport that people should change overnight. That's impossible. And it doesn't stick change to happen and be sticky has to be gentle um and and taking it step by step so you talked a bit about the psychology of change Mm -hmm. and i talk to a lot of people about implementing change whether that's coaches or organizational people um or business leaders who are trying to inspire change very few have articulated it as as beautifully as you did a few minutes ago and you talked about it needs to feel good it needs to be simple it needs to have personal ownership but it also needs to be shared in a community um clearly that's come from your research how do you guys bring that to life in the way that you work so in a few ways um the first way is we engage with teams. We, we, the, the business started with a very simple single weekly tip along with planting trees and giving to charity. Mm-hmm. And the single weekly tip would be something that an individual could change in their lives. We'd give reasons behind it. For example, um, ditch your shampoo at uh, your shampoo bottle because it's made of plastic, switch mm-hmm. to a shampoo bar. Uh, And these are the impacts of the plastic. These are the impacts of the chemicals. And this is how you would have a positive benefit switching to a shampoo bar. When someone learns something that they find interesting and useful, they get a hit of dopamine. This is going back to when we were hunter-gatherers and you discovered a food source and you got some dopamine. You were programmed to go back and tell the tribe. Mm -hmm. That that was how we survived. Mm -hmm. Um, So... Quite simply, that dopamine creation, then they could potentially get the product and use it and get some dopamine, but then they go and tell their colleagues. Mm-hmm. And that grows basically from the bottom up within a business, a community that, that, that's a growing community as well, um, of people that understand sustainability. So that starts with the education. But then mm-hmm. it grows because there's all almost that FOMO as well. And again, the fear of missing out is also evolutionary programming. 
right. you see yeah. you see some someone doing something well that helps them survive and you're like we need to do that and we're programmed to do that that's how consumerism has grown because we've been programmed over since the 1920s post freud discovering psychology um that first of all it was smoking you're great then it yeah. was you know um buy the latest phone and you'll be great and you'll but those the hits of dopamine you get from that is very small and you need to keep repeating it yeah. so what what we've done is we repeat that through the educational program that we provide to businesses but then the next thing we did was we one of our um founding values is being member driven and yes. so we consult with every business and every individual that works within player green and we build and create what they need um, so they feel valued as part of our community. We also promote every business that joins so that we create a community feel. So other businesses see this that business has joined and yeah. they have started to work together. Yeah. Um, we're actually building a community section to our platform because every time a business signs up to, to our platform now, uh, several of our other businesses will contact me or Chris and say, can you put us in touch? We want to engage. They with look them. like an interesting company. They've Correct. got some stuff. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to build like a messenger to style um, platform within the members area so that they can all collaborate and communicate together. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. Um, and and so you talked about having contact with big organizations. So mm-hmm. you said you've got within the first three years, you've got some multinational organizations who are mm-hmm. really interested in working with you. How did you do that? Was that word of mouth? Was that effort from you guys? Like, what drives that kind of level of engagement and inspiration? Because there are loads of organizations that are trying to do sustainability programs, but yours is definitely different. But So how did you get noticed? So two ways, networking, um, but the main way was word of mouth. We haven't spent a penny on marketing or advertising for the business. Um, we try and push every penny of profit that we have into impact. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing I didn't want to do, we, we got seed investment, but we didn't want to take any more investments because obviously, again, as soon as you take investment on, you beholden to the shareholders. So we wanted to grow organically and through recommendation because when a company recommends you, there's a very strong likelihood that the business they've recommended you to will become a partner. Yeah. Um, and then through our content, because we write and create lots of really engaging, useful content that we publish for free. Yeah. Um, and lots of people want to get involved. I think the biggest problem with sustainability and social value in businesses, particularly for SMEs, there is the fear of getting it wrong, the fear that it's too expensive, it's too difficult, there's too much change to happen, so they don't do anything. Mm-hmm. And what we provide is a simple and impactful and effective way that's transparent, and we're not telling people what to do, we're sharing them, we're giving them the information, and we signpost. Um, so we don't profess to have all the answers, but we partner with every business that you can imagine that could and we signpost to those businesses for free. Um, mm. And the beauty with that is, rather than us taking a finder's fee, we get that passed on as discount to our members. Um, but those businesses then introduce us to their clients. Yes. Um, and it's almost an eco... We've created a community ecosystem where 
everyone wants to help each other. Yeah, one of the things I like about your model, and and I'm a member of your organiz- of your organization, we I pay in as a membership, um, is the weekly tip. And what's interesting is within that weekly tip, it's often, as you say, connected to another organization's product or service that they offer that you say, you know, like you say, the shampoo bar, mm-hmm. and not much use to me, but, um, <laughs> you know, I imagine people um, do get some value out of shampoo bars. Um, but no, it's, um, and, I, and I love that because I've bought some products from, directly from stuff that you sent with a tip on how to, you know, cut down plastic on your toothbrush or how to whatever. And and those things I find really useful. But I also like the fact that it's um what's the word? It, it, it you the way you described it is saying it's a feel good moment that we share with people with no agenda. There's almost there's no agenda there. There's like yeah. this is just something that we found out that we want to share with you. And and if if there's a discount, and it isn't always, but if there's a discount, you can buy it at a discount. But it, it almost doesn't matter. And I think there's something about the way you guys communicate, which is honest and open. And, and you mentioned earlier on about your level of transparency and, and wanting to be transparent. But it's like you're not trying to promote yourself too hard. And I, and I worry sometimes that lots of organizations are so focused on growth and impact that they forget those feel good moments that they can bring to people um and use those to to drive engagement mm-hmm. in a bigger way i i would say there was a someone once said to me um when you meet someone they won't remember what you said and they won't remember what you wear unless it was outlandish but they will remember how you made them feel mm. and going back to again to my autism i've always felt different I've always worried about fitting in and I'm always very conscious of how, and because of that, I've always been very conscious of the impression I leave and how I make people feel. Um, And I think that working in business, in in corporate world, and then even in the not-for-profit and charity sector, there was a lot that happens that made me feel bad. The lack of transparency, the the way people will step over their colleagues to get a promotion, um, the way people will behave one way and act, sorry, say one thing, but act in a different way. Yeah. And for me, those were all things I wanted to throw away when we set play at Green Up. Yeah. Um, and we wanted to go to great lengths to do things the right way. We signed up to the B Corp process and we became a B Corp last year. Um, B Corp tests businesses at the highest level for ethical, um, moral, s- sustainable, social values, uh, measurements mm-hmm. and scores. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to do really well to pass. We were in the top 10% in the world for our overall score, but for our uh, governance score, we were in the top 2% in the world. So we're up there in the top sort of 500 companies in the world yeah wow Um, and that is due to the transparency and the way we run the business Mm -hmm. and Um, the fact that your your the agenda is not about your own growth and i think it's about it's about you can talk about the consciousness but it's if capitalism exists within your organization it's just not 
the major thing that drives everything that you do. And I think that's so important because I know companies and people who say, I'm not going to share my, my secret. Um, because if I do, then people are going to steal it. And that's my, that's my job. And I never sense that when I talk to you guys, it's almost like if people steal our ideas and that changes the world, then that's a brilliant thing. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that actually happened to us, um, with the sports thing, but, uh, we, you always will have the, uh, it was our idea, but then you look at the impact and it just, yeah, well, if we've been the instigator of that, that's great. Um, and, and I think it goes back to this, this actually, this whole thing goes back to something my grandma, my mum's mum said when I was about seven. And she said, if you, she, she's a Lancashire lass, I'll try and say it how she said it. She said, if you cast your bread on the waters, lad, it comes back buttered. Right. And, and it stuck with me again, autism, certain things stick with you for your life. It becomes a mantra. Yeah. And it, it was about doing good and being altruistic, you know, giving without expecting to receive because you will receive back. That's just the way of the world, I think. And Chris and I have noticed since we've set this business up by doing the right thing and by being open and honest and passionate and transparent and not being after just the dollar, people want to help us. People Mm -hmm. want to support us. People are happy to recommend us to their clients. Mm -hmm. Um, But And and then the other thing, the, the other side of our business is we provide a transparent way of communicating positive behavior to our partners. So any business that works with us that has the climate positive workforce or is um, has done a, a carbon footprint report and has a reduction plan or is switching to certain sustainable supplies, we give them the tools to talk about that. And what that does, it, it, it does a few things. It makes their employees happier because mm-hmm. their employees see that the business is doing the right thing. It strengthens their relationships with their consumers and they also act as an influencer for other businesses. They'll see their competitors starting to copy them. And that is how you create change. Yeah. I think one of the fascinating things is just going back to where, where we started. Mm. And you're talking about capitalism and the impact of capitalism. And I read about the game Monopoly and how Monopoly was initially invented as a way of demonstrating of the toxin of capitalism, <laughs> of the fact that... Um, at the end, everybody goes bankrupt apart from one person. And the game is designed to illustrate that the longer you play, the more money goes to one individual who makes yeah. who makes it. Um, and how that's all kind of got twisted and it's become this game and one of the most memorable and popular games around the world. And there was actually another game that was launched at the same time, which was the opposite, which was designed to be altruistic and you could, you you basically played forever, and and Simon Sinek wrote writes a book about the um uh oh, what's the name of the book called? But it's it's about the um on the fact that organizations don't end, competition doesn't end. So you might have a target for this year, but that's not the end. It continues, and that's mm-hmm. the way we should think about organizations. And and it's funny how you know I I I think. There's a lot we've lost when we start focusing only on winning and capitalism and and in that sense um, that that I think is starting to float to the surface now as we start to worry about our 
organizational cultures and people like Adam Grant write a lot about supporting people and being better coaches and a lot of the people we talk on talk to on the podcast are the same they talk about bringing the best out of your people and inspiring people and there's a wonderful book um called humankind i don't know if you've come across it um no you definitely need to read it richard because Mm -hmm. it's about the fact we have this belief that humans are destructive that underneath the surface of of normality there is chaos and and without uh, without rules, there'll just be chaos. And in fact, the truth is that we are incredibly kind people and our, mm-hmm. and our magic, the reason why we've become so dominant in the planet is because we're the only uh, um, species that are truly collaborative. We share information, we share with each other, we inspire each other, we show kindness and support and empathy and all of these kind of wonderful mm-hmm. things. And that's the essence of our success. And I think it's I think it's really interesting because it feels like we're coming back around that where we're starting to see people at the or certainly organizations, some organizations are seeing people at the heart of their organization. They're starting to coach and inspire people and, and see the value in communities. And it, it's businesses like yours that I think are leading the way in really bringing that to the forefront, you know, making it not just something you're doing, but central to your philosophies. And I think that's hugely inspiring thank you i think there's lots of businesses starting to go that way um so we we do uh, positive news every monday we, we publish three news stories that focus on three businesses that have done something amazing and i think it was danone um they've shared a um chemical formula with all of their competitors that enables ice cream to be stored at um warmer temperatures mm-hmm. so reducing the footprint across the whole ice cream community mm-hmm. um, and they've shared it for free they've given it away um, look at Patagonia they've um, as a business <laughs> nature owns their business now yeah um, there's also more and more businesses going employee owned yeah um, one of our members um, an amazing company called one and all um, they're employee owned and I've went to visit and I've never seen a happier team uh-huh. genuinely everyone was so proud to work for the company yeah. it was it was just such a positive experience yeah um, and actually i've seen similar and co- the value of cooperatives and how they uh, are re emerging is amazing one of my favorite um altruistic stories is from volvo um volvo were the people that invented the three-point seat belt mm-hmm. yeah and and when they created it they realized that this was such an important step forward in safety that rather than putting it in their cars and trying to just get people to buy their cars, they literally gave it to all yeah. of their competitors. It's it, uh, it's amazing. And, and do you know, I, we were talking yesterday with one of our uh, customers because we have a big event in March at Manchester Central and we were talking about what we want the takeaways to be. And, and he was saying that he's noticed that in particularly the bigger corporates, they're trying to take a step back from sustainability. Um, He said it was worrying him. And I think there has been a little bit of a step back because of the political and financial landscape of the last two years, but it is going in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the mean line is always upwards, but it's now being driven by Gen Z and millennials, all the research. McKinsey just did a re- uh, piece of research last year on 
I think 15, no, 23,000 employees. And I think 40% of employees will not no longer apply for jobs with companies with poor ESG standards. Mm-hmm. Um, so whilst the bigger corporates might be taking a step back and their CFOs, who are the, the ones that I have the most difficulty talking to, um, and don't get me wrong, my best friend is a CFO of a yeah. big corporate. <laughs> we, just, we just agree to disagree on things. But it's a longer game. The, the, the thing is, sustainability is a generational thing. Mm-hmm. You, you might not see instant financial benefits from it. Um, but what you will see is long-term stability, growth, better employees, happier employees. Um, we have a, a, a client who's uh, one of the fastest growing accountants in the UK. And we're part of their recruitment process now because they are aware that if they want the top candidates being able to help them be more sustainable and embrace sustainability as a business they're going to attract them yeah i find that fascinating that you talked about cfos being the biggest challenge mm-hmm. talk to me a bit about that and and what's the challenge there i hear from clients that i work with around sustainability a, a couple of messages which are floating through one is um it's hard to do to make a big difference and and i spoke to someone recently about the fact that we can reduce the amount of water we use in our sites but the truth is relatively speaking it's not a huge impact on our overall footprint and so almost like what's the point and then the second thing was um people who commercially felt that there was going to be an advantage oh we're going to be sustainable and and therefore people will want to buy our products and services because we're a sustainable organization and what they've discovered is that their consumers are are kind of shrugging their shoulders and saying well we just expect this like this is just hygiene um don't we're not going to get extra credit for being um sustainable we you get less credit for being unsustainable but we're, we're not just going to buy your products because you're a sustainable organization and and so that's kind of seems to be what they're saying is that the same message from cfos or is that what what do you hear from those guys well the the problem with cfos is they've been brought brought up and educated and in essence programmed to think in a certain way and that way is to maximize the short-term profit of the business but but whilst maintaining that there will be a long-term profit um, and as you said, they work in quarters. Um, the planet doesn't, unfortunately, and, and resources and, and everything that, that will be affected by climate change, that's a long-term strategy. They must have a long-term strategy because I'm pretty certain all CFOs invest in shares and don't expect a return overnight on shares. Mm. Um, it's educating them into that view. Um, the employee research is really compelling. The consumer side of things that you were saying, again, it's slightly longer term. If you do the right thing, you are sustainable. The ones that aren't are going to slowly drop by the wayside. Mm. And, and you will see that. But the other thing is, talk about it. Because just be, going back to your, um, the company that was saying that well, they don't do much just by reducing the water. I did a talk at a university at York and a lot of the students said the same thing I'm only one person what difference can I make Mm. and I said well one you do make a difference because 
all the global changes that have ever happened in the world were instigated by an individual. And you mm-hmm. can look at, you know, the positive things that have happened, like, you know, Louis Pasteur discovering penicillin or mm-hmm. the negative things like Adolf Hitler. It was still one person that created global change. Yeah. So that's one way of thinking. The other thing is as a business, if you do one thing, your competitors see you do it. They think they might miss out or they, they are putting their business at risk by not doing it, they'll do it. So yeah. you are creating a ripple effect of change. Um, and that is also important. That's how that's how nature works, by creating this. I, I was speaking to a sustainable kitchen consultant, and she said Play It Green, she thought, mirrored nature, in that we'd created this ecosystem of businesses um, and that it was growing in that way organically Um, yes and you can't control it it just grows the way it grows and some people are yeah yeah, something works and something doesn't work um fascinating and and i think the story of the the kind of elements of competitors falling by the wayside to me that it's a bit like going to a restaurant where the kitchen isn't clean and so you wouldn't choose a restaurant because the kitchen is clean you choose a restaurant because the food is good, the service is good, there's a nice atmosphere, a whole range of reasons. You you wouldn't choose it because the kitchen is clean. However, if the kitchen isn't clean, you would stop going. You won't go there because the kitchen is, you would expect it just as a standard. And I think that's kind of what this generation is saying about businesses is if, like, I expect you to be respecting the planet and sustainable and if you're not, well, I'm not going to go there, but I'm not going to choose you just because I want I want to experience good products, good services, um, et cetera. But if you're if you're damaging the planet, then you're off my list. Is that does that resonate for you? I think it does. Yeah, uh, for sure. And and it's backed up. Just look at the changes in consumer behavior. The fastest growing part of the fashion market is the pre-owned market. Mm. Um, mobile phones. I think the sales of new mobile phones are half of what they were per capita to 10 years ago. Yes. Five years, because people are holding onto their phones longer. They're buying secondhand. Yes. Um, and you can just see by the number of new companies like back markets that are sort of rivaling eBay for selling pre-owned products. Yes. That's the way the world's going. Yeah. And I think I, I use my kids as an example. When I was their age, I wanted this, that, and the other. I wanted the latest thing. I wanted trade. They're not bothered. Mm. That's not what excites them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not saying that every kid is like that. I'm not saying that every Gen Z and millennial is like that. But it's growing. Yeah. And the problem is you have one generation running businesses, and then you have another generation working within businesses. And I don't think their values are ever been further apart yeah oh i i i agree but i also think that every generation says the same thing yeah I can't... <laughs> there is a difference now though because the millennial the gen z's sorry are the first generation to be born into an entirely digital age yeah so from as soon as they could work out how a tablet works they had access to information that we never had i mean going back to when i was a kid if i wanted to know who the ceo of a company was i had to go to the library yeah um it's it's a different world and i think that the change has happened much quicker with this generation because of that mm. um yeah yeah and and yeah i i kind of agree which we're running out of time and, and so i'm keen just to to 
have a conversation quickly now about your advice and your lessons for business leaders, business owners who might want to follow in your footsteps. What are the key things that you've learned through your career or certainly over the last few years within Play It Green that you think others could benefit from? I think probably the biggest thing for me is that I'm actually able to live my values and work my values as opposed, and because of that, I get up every morning and I'm not earning lots of money. And the plan with Play It Green was we would have to scale our impact globally before I ever earned lots of money. That was the business model we set up deliberately. Mm -hmm. But what I do is I get out of bed and wake up happy every day because I know that I'm doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the business is still here after nearly three years, so the likelihood is it's always going to be here. Yeah. Um, but I've managed to do it in a way that not only makes me feel good, but that makes the people that work with us feel good. And I think that's really important. Um, and then the other lesson would be, don't be scared to make mistakes and get it wrong. Yeah. Um, go down to if you look at the we went back to people are scared of making mistakes and that's why they don't do stuff but if you are authentic transparent and honest about what you're doing and you make mistakes and share that experience that actually strengthens you and and your image and your brand rather than weakens it it's the ones that hide stuff and then get then get found out that that the issue is with um and sorry no, no, I, I, just, I love that because I talk a lot about trust with people. It's a key element of, of great businesses to build trust with customers and clients and, and colleagues. And one of the elements in trust that's really important, I talk about five, but one of them is vulnerability, demonstrating your own vulnerability. We trust people that we know to be human who make mistakes, who get things wrong. And, and the example I give is if you look down if you're looking for a restaurant to go and eat in and you look at reviews online and you find a restaurant and it's got five star, 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 you start to get suspicious, even though that's a perfect review. You look down another one and it's got five star, five star, and then like a two star with a comment that says service was awful. And then there's a reply from the manager that says, we're really sorry, we had staff sickness that night, please come back and and we'd love to make it up to you. Those are the kind of places that when I don't know where to go, I want to go because it seems authentic and honest. And, And that comes from the fact that I see that they are they get things wrong and they make things, they make mistakes. And it just reminded me of what you just described around trying too hard to be perfect, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, just look at the Instagram world and use that as an example. That's not real life. Um, and look at the huge up, up, upturn in mental health issues in young people because of trying to live up to those fake standards. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's the same in business. I think business is because young people have access to information and it's pretty hard to, you'll, you'll get found out even if you hide something, you'll get found out eventually. I think that authenticity now sells mm-hmm. and I don't think that's ever going to go away now. Yeah. I hope you're right. Richard, tell us a bit more about how people can get in touch with you, can look up Play It Green and can get involved in, in some of the, the activities and the, the programs that you're running? 
So the Play It Green website is playitgreen.com. Um, feel free to jump on there. There's a WhatsApp button on there if you want to contact us directly. Um, email me, Richard, at playitgreen.com, or um, I'm on LinkedIn as well. Um, Brilliant. Fantastic, Richard. Thank you for a wonderful conversation and, and very inspiring conversation. And I hope that people take some of these ideas that we've just discussed and, and really implement them because I think it's the future and, and it's certainly inspiring to hear you talk about your journey and, and where you're going with things. Brilliant. Thanks, Chris. That was Thinking Outside the Fox with me, Chris Weber. Our next episode is out in two weeks. Join us for more great conversations on how to build winning customer relationships. I'm looking forward to it.